Well, good evening. I'm David Dale II. No, that's not right. I'm Gene King. Let's begin our service tonight by taking the hymnal. Turn to hymn number 154. 154. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to Oh. 
Father, we thank you for this evening to come out and have a chance to worship you in your house tonight, Father. Lord, I ask that you would bless these tithes and offerings, and Father, may, may a dollar spend like a thousand, Father, as we say, and Lord, we just thank you for all that you've given us and blessed us with. It's in your name we pray, amen.
purchase the Salty Dog Saloon. They promised that they would use it for the good of people and the glory of God. The Moore Activity Center is a ministry center here in Covington that meet needs and share Christ through a variety of programs. It may be through tutoring, through Bible programs where we reach three-year-olds all the way through adults. It may be through community events where we just come together and we let people know they're not alone in this crazy world. It also is through giveaways and through AA meetings and through um, just things where we're reaching out to the community and loving on them. Tonight, we have a ministry called Simply Dinner. Churches come in from our association and they bring food for 100 people. We have homeless, we have families, we have children, adults, all ages come to have the need met of just physical food. But we connect with them. We talk with them about their day. We let them know that they're not alone. We love them, but more importantly, that God loves them. And we're ready. We also have kids night going on. We have teams from out of state, in Kentucky here, and even locally, that minister to our children. They do Bible programs, they have gym time, they do crafts. We just love on the kids and share the love of Christ with them. And one day my cousin was hearing about Jesus and he wanted Jesus to come into his heart. And the next Sunday he came and he was able to talk to the pastor and find out more about it. And then he got saved. When we first opened the doors and we had our grand opening, we had a man that stood behind the bar and he said he used to come here and this place destroyed his life. But now he has found that it restores his life. That's what we're about, taking people who have fallen apart and trying to put them back together with the love of Christ. And if you need some kind of help, it's always here. Even on Sundays, church, you know, and even if they're not open, they're, she's always a phone call away. We're always welcome here. It's feel like family. Here at the center, there's some that we've ministered to, maybe just for one day, but there's some that we have had a relationship with for the past 19 years. No matter one day or 19 years, we are determined that we're gonna share the love of Jesus with every person that we come in contact with. People that we touch, the lives that are changed, are changed because we have the resources through the Eliza Broadus Mission Offering. Center, and that's certainly what they did, and now they're serving their community. It's a great way to certainly serve your community through abandoned old buildings and just say, let's, let's, let's do something good with this. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. If you, when you come in, you make sure you grab a bulletin insert, or a bulletin so it has your insert there. You want to flip over to the back side of it, um, that way you can see uh, some of the things we're going to be talking about tonight. I know we have been going through the book of Acts on Sunday nights. The reason why we're, we're taking a break tonight only is because on Wednesday, I'm starting Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 is starting with the seven churches. And that's going to be probably for, for all the way into 2020. We're going to be studying. And I, 
Wednesday night's a good night to study the book of Revelation because we can stop, we can answer questions, we can, we can go at our own speed in that because Revelation does require lots of questions and comments about some of the things you're studying. So, um, but I wanted to cover tonight, or this morning was the first part of Revelation chapter 1, and tonight is going to be the second part of Revelation chapter 1. So you want to go ahead and turn there, Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. Then in a little bit, uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians mentions some things about the end times. So in a little while, we're going to flip over, and we're going to see 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So that's what tonight's message is going to be about. It's about following Christ, how it is not easy, but it will be costly with a great reward. And that's what we're going to certainly see here. So turn your Bibles, Revelation 1-9. I, John, your brother and partner in the affliction, kingdom and endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And I explain what Patmos is. Remember Alcatraz right there? It's right there in the San Francisco Bay. One time in my life I've been in San Francisco, and Sherry and I went on our honeymoon. We went to that area. It's an unusual place to go for a honeymoon, but we went there, and uh, we went and toured Alcatraz. <clears throat> Who's been to Alcatraz? Who's toured it before? Wow, about 10 folks have been there. That is, it used to be a prison, and that's where you put prisoners on the middle of an island. That's where John is. Remember, John's from Jerusalem. He's from there in Israel. And what happened was he went to the church in Ephesus. They decided their persecution broke out, so they imprisoned him. Where do prisoners go? They go out in the middle of the Mediterranean, 40 miles off the coast. He's there in Patmos. That's all. It's, it was a community that had a prison. You can still tour Patmos today and see the place they believed John was at when he received this revelation. Who here has been on a Greek island tour and went to Patmos? Anybody been to Patmos? All right, yeah, the Macklemores. Yes. <laughs> I guess taking all the pictures for Lifeway, he's been there and certainly has uh, and, and seen this place. So he's writing. What's fascinating about this, God has chosen John, the one person, this is part of the inner circle of Jesus. He also wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he's giving him a picture of, of the future. We have to remember a good way to understand what's going on for us when we read Revelation. It's like we lived in the year 25. Think about if we lived in AD 25. AD 25, you're waiting for the Messiah. There's no New Testament. You're, all you read is the Old Testament. So you know that He's coming. But it's not very clear about all the little details, who it's going to be. There's these locations, but you're still wondering, all right, where? Well, you know where, but where, what's going to, who is it? And the whole time, Jesus in year 25, he was 25 years old. He was a carpenter there in Nazareth. So he was already alive. That's what it's like for us today. We have, now we're on the other side of the New Testament but we're not on the other side of the book of Revelation. Now, a thousand years from now, we'll likely look back and say, oh, that's what was going on. I now see what was going on in 2019. It was God's plan the entire time. He was just working it all out. So that's, that's how we have to read this book and understand what's happening here. All right, so 
John is on Patmos in the middle of the island, the middle of the ocean there, and he's receiving this direct word from the Lord. All right, verse 10, it says here, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Do you know when the Lord's day is? It's today. What day is the Sabbath? Saturday. The Sabbath is not Sunday. The Sabbath never changed. God never changed the Sabbath. That's on Sunday. When you see in the New Testament, the reference all through the book of Acts, the Lord's Day, that is a reference to the first day of the week, which is today. It's Sunday. The Lord's Day is important because that is the day Jesus was resurrected. This is why it's important that you go, every time you come to church on a Sunday morning, especially at the 9 o'clock service, the closer you are to sunrise, because why? Up from the grave, he arose. You're, you're remembering every Sunday morning Jesus' resurrection. That's why Sunday morning worship is important. Sunday night worship is important too, but Sunday morning is super important because we're remembering the resurrection of Christ. And so what's happening is it was the Lord's Day. So it's a Sunday, a day like today, and it says he's in the Spirit. So he's in prayer, he's uh, remembering his time with the Lord, and all of a sudden, something happens. So look what happens here. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet say, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So these are the seven churches. I'll explain why these churches were chosen. These were prominent cities in what they call Asia Minor, which is current-day Turkey. These were also important churches because they were on a busy road. So if you're riding some to, to, to some churches, this would be like you're hitting Lexington, Louisville, a church in Knoxville, Cincinnati. This is where the major roads are going through, and you're writing a, a letter, you're writing a command to those churches. These aren't country churches, these would be churches that folks would know about. So that's, that's the selection of these churches. What's also interesting, if you have a Bible, the lettering just changed. I don't know if you noticed that, if you have a, uh, the letters in red. So this is Jesus speaking. We're receiving a direct command from the Lord. And he says here, then I turned to see whose voice it was who spoke to me. When I turned, I saw, now this is interesting, could you imagine you're alone? You're in prison. And a voice is speaking to you, telling you to write a letter. And you turn around, and you see seven golden lampstands. All right? And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. Do you know John would know what the Son of Man would look like? And it's interesting, he used that phrase, Son of Man. Jesus called himself the Son of Man. That's the Lord's phrase. That's what he referred to himself as, the Son of Man. So he turns around, he sees these seven golden lampstands. And these lampstands here, these mean this is the seven churches of Asia that we just talked about. So he's talking, he's, he's getting this visual picture of these churches with Jesus there with a message. So if the message is for those churches 2,000 years ago, it's for us today. 
So let's see what Jesus is like. Verse 14, the hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it was fired in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand. The stars there would be angels. These would be seven angels, so there's an angel for each church. So Christ is, it's a picture of Christ holding these stars and it's with a message for the churches. What's going on here is we're setting the scene for an important message. Remember, the book of Revelation is the only book that we are told we are blessed if we read it. So this, you, you have to re read it, hear it, and do your best to understand what God's message is to you through this book. Because why? The time is near. Over and over again, we keep seeing that. The time is near. You need to be aware about these things gonna, are going to happen. So, verse 16, He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp double-edged sword came out of his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I'm sure we all would. He laid his right hand on me and said, and Jesus is speaking now to John. Don't be afraid. Now look at, look at this, what the Lord is saying. He's about to describe himself. You want a description of Jesus. Here it is. How do you describe God? I am the first and the last, and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I mean, Jesus is the one that opens and closes the door of death. He gives us life and chooses when we die. Everything is in the Lord's hand, is what he's saying. Therefore, write what you have seen, what is and what will take place after this. The mystery of these seven stars you see in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So now we're going to get this command. The rest of the book is, the book of Revelation, is the Lord telling John, this is what you need to write down. This is the vision you're going to see. You're not going to understand it. It's a mystery. I'll tell you what the seven stars are and what the seven golden lampstands, but most of this you will not grasp and understand. The main point that we see from this book and from this passage here is that in the midst of hardship and suffering because much of Revelation Broadway is dealing with there is going to be apostasy there is going to be suffering there is tough times coming for believers but we are commanded all through the book that not to be deceived and to stand firm that despite all this hardship and suffering the church can look to the risen Savior and receive encouragement and victory. No matter how bad it gets, our hope is in the Lord. We know that there, there's going to be difficult times. We do not know if we're living in the end times. Only the Lord knows that. But we know that there will be a falling away, and we also know there will be, they will go after believers. There will be a rise of the Antichrist. Next three months, we're going to be studying all of this. You know, in this vision here that John had, 
he had this vision of the exalted and glorified Christ. This vision included suffering and service. We are expected to suffer in the end times. We are also continue expected to serve. We are never promised a prosperity gospel, health and wealth. That's not Jesus' promise to us. We are commanded in this book that we are to hold firm to the gospel truth. This vision that we're going to see, it includes all and inspire. It includes encouragement and overwhelm. Keep your finger here in Revelation chapter 1 and flip back to the very last chapter. Revelation chapter 22. Last chapter here. It tells us something that we have to go to the very end because this is important for us. Revelation 22, verse 18. Look what God's Word says. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy book, which are written about in this book. Now, it's interesting. Here we are at the very end of Revelation, Revelation 22. And there's a couple things mentioned that we don't see until all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, 2, and 3. The tree of life is mentioned. That's from Genesis 2 and 3. There's a tree that if you eat from, you live for eternally. That's the trees in heaven today. It was there in the Garden of Eden, but now it's no longer there. Or it's being blocked with the cherubim and cherubim, which are heavenly angels blocking it. It's interesting there. It's talking here about adding and taking away. Verse 18 gives us a warning about adding to God's word. Do you know when Eve was questioned by the serpent? Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. You don't need to turn there. But remember when the Satan, the serpent, came to her and said, So, did God say this? Did God really say this? And then she says, You can't eat or touch it. God never said, Eve, you couldn't touch from that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, you and Adam can't eat from it. Eve added to God's word. Do then the next verse, it says the devil, the serpent, that he came along and he told a, a bald-faced lie to Eve. He says, you will not surely die. And God said, you will surely die. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam, Eve, you will die. Serpent comes along and says, you will not die if you eat from that tree. That is what we call taking away from God's word. I want you all to know this. This is occurring all around us today. We're going to talk about adding and taking away from God's word. Because I believe it's rampant. It is rampant. Look up here on the screen. Revelation comes with a warning. This is a warning in this book. There is a danger of adding or subtracting from this book. And it's not just this book. It's the entire Bible. The canon is closed. 
How do we add to God's words? Let's look. How do we do this? <clears throat> False prophets. New Age teachings. This is um, uh, movie stars. This is what they talk about, New Age teachings. If you follow people, Hollywood movie stars, they're always, they're not into Orthodox Christianity. They're in something new. False prophets, remember that handout? If you were at the 1109 service, I held up that little handout this, this morning that it shared about how Islam, is they're mailing it out to everybody in Kentucky, and the fir first question they ask is, who is Jesus? That's an example. And what it's doing is trying to muddy the waters. They're saying, maybe you don't understand Jesus. And the first thing that statement said is, we don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. He was a great prophet. Right there, that is a... Other religions, the first thing they do is go after the gospel. They go after Jesus, and they're saying it's wrong. Look at this, Mormonism. Do the Mormons ever knock on your door? They still knock on ours regularly. I'm sure they do. They're all over. Prosperity gospel. This is rampant. Prosperity gospel is adding to God's word. Because you're coming to church and someone is telling you, if you put money in the offering plate, if you give, if you write a bigger check, you will receive this. And we do not see that in the Bible. There's a possibility you might give more and you suffer. There's the prosperity gospel leaves you with lies. It's adding. This is rampant today. It is devastated. It's devastated the Latin American community down in Central and South America. In many ways, in the African American church, it's hurt them greatly because these prosperity gospel churches have hijacked the gospel and it's about receiving and getting something. That is adding to God's Word. We're warned about doing that. Secondly, how do we subtract? How do we take away from God's Word? This is going to be found in churches like Broadway. A church like ours, we're probably not going to add to God's Word. But I'll tell you, a church like this, if you're not careful, you could easily have a pastor or staff members or deacons or Sunday school teachers that take away from God's Word. I want to tell you how you do this. It can subtly happen, and you don't even realize it. You know, at the, what, I think it was the 9 o'clock service this morning, I mentioned homosexuality. When's the last time you heard any preacher, preacher even mention that from a pulpit? Guys, I know, I have friends. They don't talk about it. They will not say that word. Now, if you ask them privately in the office, they will tell you one-on-one. -on -one. But publicly, if it's on the computer or if it's being recorded, they're not going to preach on those sins. It's not popular. Divorce, remarriage, adultery, pornography. You know, it's easy coming in, standing up here talking about, you know what, Gene, you need to live a good Christian life. You need to make wise decisions for the Lord. You need to say yes to Jesus, Rick. That's easy. Does that step on your toes? Is that convictional? When you start calling out sin to people, when you start saying, hey, thus saith the Lord, Jesus says this, this, and this is wrong in your life. Christians have a higher standard to live. 
We don't live this way. We don't do these things. So what happens is, you could actually come to church. Come to church. A church like this. And you could have Sunday school teachers, preachers, ministers, the people who are teaching the folks, and they are selectively taking away certain things. Anything controversial, anything that could offend you, anything that could send someone possibly to another church, we're not going to talk about that. Guys, that's rampant. That is rampant. All over the place. Because what is, is you, it's, it's simple to go around sharing God loves you. Yes, absolutely, God loves you. Jesus died for you. But there is the love of God, yet also the love of God also reminds us there is a judgment of God. He has an expectation for people. God loves us, and God will judge us out of that love. If God doesn't judge us, He doesn't love us. By God's judgment, that's forcing us to repent and turn to the Lord. The love of God, the love of Jesus, is what makes me want to repent of my sin and turn to Him. Because He is worthy. He died on the cross so I could be saved and forgiven. Churches that also only do ministry that's meeting physical needs, it's easy to go out to UK's football games and hand out 600 hot dogs. It's easy for us to house homeless people here. It's easy to go to the so many different ministries here in Lexington, feed the homeless, help the poor, help the refugees, help this person, help the, those are great, and they're meeting needs. Raising money for single mothers, but listen, all, what's, what's wrong with all that? Y'all know the answer. If you're not communicating Jesus Christ, what are we doing? Where is, the, where is Christ in that? You know what a homeless man needs? He needs Jesus. That's what he needs. You know what drunken college students need down there? They need to realize, hey, there is more, there is more hope than having sex and drinking alcohol all day. Jesus can deliver you from that. That's the message we're sharing. Meeting physical needs is great, and Jesus did it. But if, you, if, we, if, Jesus, if the gospel isn't included in that, you have missed what's most important. Everything we do at this church, we have to say, okay, is the Lord being proclaimed? Is the, is the clear steps of the Jesus Christ, how to repent of your sin and turn to the Lord, if that's not being presented, the United Way could do some of the things we could do. The, I mean, the government could do some of the things we could do. We just let them do it. I'll, we'll do it, but there's also has to be a gospel message included. That is what it means to subtract from God's Word. That is rampant in churches like ours. In other churches, in Latin, here in the American church, our type of church, Southern Baptist Church, they're taking away from God's Word. You go to Latin American church where prosperity gospel is coming in, they're adding to God's Word. So what happens is, we have to guard ourselves to these extremes. Am I adding? Am I including things that aren't true? That's probably not going to be the case for us, but am I selectively taking away things? 
And that is true. Last section of scripture we're going to see here. Flip over in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the last thing we're saying. I think we have up here on the board so you can see it. We're going to read these 11 verses here. Because this is important. Because it tells us about what's going to happen here. That's coming for us. Revelation includes this phrase, a great tribulation. The Bible says that word literally means a distress. There's a time of a distress that's going to come upon earth, our earth that has never been seen before. We don't need to worry about our earth blowing up or an asteroid coming and hitting it. We know how it's going to end. Jesus tells us how it's going to end. There will be a second coming of Christ. Heaven and earth, after the judgment, it will pass away. But we will be here because Jesus Christ is coming back a second time to earth. So we're not going to have global warming and everybody burn up and it's gone. I mean, that might be important, but we know the Lord is coming. If there's global warming, it's going to come during the tribulation. That's the real global warming. Look here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to read along with this because it tells us about the day of the Lord. This is important because this is what Revelation is going to be about. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Look at that phrase. A thief in the night. If you knew someone was going to steal something from you, wouldn't you be ready for it? Wouldn't you be prepared? Wouldn't you grab your gun, lock your doors, put the dog out? Get your golf clubs ready to hit some. I mean, there's, there, you'd be ready. Sherry's laughing over there because we don't own a gun. <laughs> so we grab our dog. But he's saying here, Jesus, you're not, you're not going to be ready. You're not going to know. It's going to sneak up on you. You're just going to be going about your day. It's going to be a day that preacher's not preaching on Revelation. He's going to be preaching about how to be a good man. And you're not even thinking about it. And then it occurs. And he says, verse 3, when they say, now this is, this is so 2019. This is occurring now. Do you turn on the news and you hear people talking about peace? You hear folks talking about making, making our world a more civil place and you know, we need to get back to the basics and we need to sow chivalry and be kind to one another. And those are all good, but that's, that's going to happen. It's leading up to what's going to occur here. Look here. When they say peace and security, look at this, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Like labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, meaning saved folks, are not in the dark. That's us. We're not to be in the dark. This is why we study Revelation. For this day to surprise you like a thief. Meaning we should not be surprised. It should not catch us off guard. When Christ splits the eastern sky, we should smile and say, Lord, I'm ready. I've been waiting for this day. I got to see it. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then, look at this. Let us not sleep. Like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. Meaning, we shouldn't be just going about our day thinking, you know, this is, you just wake up each morning, 
make as much money as you can and go spend it however you want to and just do nothing. He's saying you need to be alert. You need to be wise with how you live, not, not, not self-controlled or un, with no control. <clears throat> Verse 6, So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, look at this, we may live together with him. Meaning, they're saying, you need to be ready. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you're already doing. Paul's writing to this church in Thessalonica, telling them about what it's going to be like when the second coming occurs and the things that are going to be leading up. It's going to be like a thief. And if you're not careful, you will fall asleep and you will be living like other lost people. Christ has called us from that. We are called to live as children of the light. So you study the book of Revelation. What do, we, what do we do? How do we respond? We are called to be obedient to this word. We're called to be aware that Jesus is about to come back. And in the meantime, we should be serving and winning people to Jesus. Because if we're not, their fate is sealed when it happens. There will be great deception. And you and I have to make sure we do not fall for it. <clears throat> I, um, as y'all know, I follow Alabama football. And I was I reading about them, and this just shows you how eerie things are. Nick Saban isn't happy with the student section at um, um, Bryant-Denny Stadium. Because what happens is college football games, first of all, they last way too long. They're like three and a half, three hours, 45 minutes. They keep going and going and gone, going. Well, Nick Saban says, I've got these recruits here. They're supposed to, they're watching the game. And by the time you get to the third quarter, if you notice what's happening at, at Alabama Sam, all the kids are leaving. I mean, they're getting like a free ticket or a $5 ticket to go see a number one or two ranked team play, and their whole team's going out the door. These are future NFL players. All their fans are leaving. So Bama has this thing. They created an app. This is eerie that it tracks how long you stay in the stadium. And what happens is, say, say I was a freshman at Alabama, and I, I go in at the first quarter, early game, and I got my seat. Let's say, hey, the team's up 45 to zero. I think I'm, I'm getting out of here. Game's over, you know, they're putting in third string, fourth, fifth string by this point, so I'm going home. Well, what happens is, it's tracking you on your phone and next time I go to get tickets I don't get good seats if you want good seats has anybody sure y'all heard y'all heard anybody else heard this James thank you somebody's heard this it's tracking how long you're staying at the game so in order to get the premium seat you have to stay all four quarters I want y'all know something in Revelation chapter 11 there's something called a mark. It's coming. And we will be marked. Or <laughs> believers won't be marked. But people will receive a mark in order to buy and sell 
It will know who you are. It will know everything about you, how much money you have, and where you go. Do you see how it's setting up for this? You know, we, we joke about it being in football, seeing how long you stay, but this is what will happen in the end times. I remember 30 years ago, long before cell phones, when I would hear about the mark, you always think of a tattoo on your forehead or on your hand. It's not going to be a tattoo. That, you wouldn't look good. Nobody would want that. You're going to have the smallest chip possible in your hand. It won't even be noticeable. And you'll walk through the grocery store. And with your cart, just walk on through. And just scans everything, every, just like that. Never even, never even stop. You go through a drive-thru, you just hold up your hand. Everything is right there. That type of, that type of scenario, we're starting to slow, slowly see here in 2019. We might see it through cell phones or apps. That's the setup. It's a fulfillment of Revelation 11, of this mark of the beast that's going to occur. Now, in about two months, we'll be talking about this again on Wednesday night. But for us as believers, we don't need to be alarmed about that. We don't need to say, well, I'm never using a phone again. We need to be aware, hey, this will happen. And it's going to happen not because of us. It's going to happen because Jesus said it's going to happen. It's written in the book of Revelation. We have to be aware of the deception. And that for us as believers, we have to be able to say, all the new technology and all the new things going on, as long as it is not, as long as it is not offending or putting down the Lord or offending Christ, we can do it. But at some point, if someone comes along and says, you can't use this unless you denounce being a Christian, or you become Muslim, or you accept this new teaching over here, or you pledge allegiance to this political leader, that's when we have to say as believers, no. That's where the line has been crossed. I want to encourage you, on Wednesday nights, 6.30 downstairs, we are going through this book. You need to be aware of this book. It's going to be a study worth it for you. It's going to be something, I hate to say it, you're going to walk away in four months thinking I'm more confused than ever, but the Bible tells us we are blessed if we study this Bible. We're blessed if we study this book. We want to give God our best time and our effort in understanding His Word. If God put it in there, we need to be faithful at studying. Let's bow and pray. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the book of Revelation. I pray that You open up our eyes that there's rampant deception all around us. And Lord, we have to hold true. God, I pray that as we as a church on Wednesdays, we study this book of the Bible, that God, you will help us make sure we don't fall for any of the lies that Eve and Adam and Eve fell for in the Garden of Eden. Lord, give us a faith that's strong, that stands on your word. God, I pray that you will just bless this invitation. I pray for the Wana clubs right now. I pray for the group headed down to Panama. Lord, we just give you this time together that we respond boldly to what you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. We close every single service here with an invitation. You can respond to Jesus. If you want to walk this aisle, come up here for prayer. Come receive Christ as your Savior. Come join this church. Now is the time to respond. So let's stand together.
Gene King's going to lead us in a song, and I'll be waiting for you to respond. Let's stand together and sing. And number 434, I have decided to follow Jesus. the wall you'll want to go back there and grab your six handouts and come on back and we will get started for our bi-monthly business meeting six five minutes four minutes